Dear Father in heaven, glory, honor, and adoration be unto your holy name for your love and your kindness and mercies displayed upon us. We are unworthy of it. We are sinful, erring mortals who do not deserve what you do for us, but yet you do it nonetheless. And we say thank you, dear Father, for your goodness. We ask, Lord, that we shall reciprocate, Lord. As we fellowship with you now, please, may your spirit be upon us, granting us the grace to learn more about you and have more of your character. I pray, Father, that you grant us of your spirit and help us, Lord, to bear fruit that we may become proper representatives of you and her. I pray, Father, that you would put your words in my mouth for the sake of your children, for I have nothing to say to bless anyone. Please put the right words that would touch our souls, O Lord. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. and Courage, December 2 Gospel Tent Maker In all things, I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 9 Paul was a tent maker, and he supported himself by working at his trade. While working thus, he spoke of the gospel to those with whom he came in contact and turned many souls from error to truth. He lost no opportunity of speaking of the Savior or of helping those in trouble. The history of the Apostle Paul is a constant testimony that manual labor cannot be degrading that it is not inconsistent with true greatness and elevation of human or Christian character. Those toil-worn hands, he deemed, detracted nothing from the force of his pathetic appeals, sensible, intelligent, and eloquent. Those toil-worn hands, as he presented them before the people, bore testimony that he was not chargeable to any man for his support. At times, he also supported his fellow workers, himself suffering from hunger, in order to relieve the necessities of others. He shared his earnings with Luke and helped Timothy obtain the necessary equipment for his journey. Paul set an example against the sentiment, then gaining influence in the church, that the gospel could be proclaimed successfully only by those who were wholly freed from the necessity of physical soil. He illustrated in a practical way what might be done by consecrated laymen in many places where the people were unacquainted with the truths of the gospel. His course inspired many humble toilers with a desire to do what they could to advance the course of God, while at the same time they supported themselves in daily labor. While some with special talents are chosen to devote all their energies to the work of teaching and preaching the gospel, 
many others upon whom human hands have never been laid in ordination are called to act an important part in soul saving. The self-sacrificing servant of God who labors untiringly in word and doctrine carries on his heart a heavy burden. His wages do not influence him in his labor. From heaven he received his commission, and to heaven he looks for his recompense when the work entrusted to him is done. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Gospel Tent Maker. And it's a very interesting one for us to understand some things that need to build our character and how to be more efficient for the Lord in the gospel work. Paul was an apostle and as such it was his right to receive tithes and offerings from those whom he had preached to and use that for his sustenance. He expressed this sentiment to those of Corinth when he said in the book of 1 Corinthians 9, reading from verse 1 to 4, he said, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are not in my work in the Lord? If I be not an apostle unto others, yet doubtless I am to you, for the seal of mine apostleship are in the Lord. And then he said, My answer to him that examines me is this, Have we not power to eat and to drink? And then in verse 6 he says, Or I only and Barnabas, have not we power to forbear working, who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planted a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Or saith he eat altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and that he that treasureth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? If others be partakers of this power over you, are not we rather? Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple, and they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar? Even so, hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. Amen. So this is as God would have it, that those which preach of the gospel, that those who are converted to the truth, are to sustain them with the tithes and the offerings. And those who appreciated the efforts of the preacher sustained and supported the labor of the preacher. An example of such people who appreciated the labors of Paul and Barnabas and loved him so much were the Galatians and the Philippians. Of the Galatians, Paul wrote in the book of Galatians 4 verse 13 to 15, You know how through infirmity of the flesh I preached the gospel unto you at first, and my temptation which was in my flesh you despised not nor rejected but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Where is then the blessedness you speak of? For I bear you record, that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and have given them to me. Amen. You see, since the day Jesus appeared to Paul and the scales fell off his eyes, his eyesight was not completely restored. The Lord left it 
to be a messenger. That's like as a messenger of Satan to buffet him. This was the, that's the language that Paul used to describe it. And it was a nuisance to him. The Galatians respected Paul as an angel of God and even like Jesus Christ himself. And they treated him with such high regard that they went beyond supplying his temporal needs. But if it were in their power, they were willing to be deprived of their own eyesight that Paul may have better eyesight. Amen. These were people that appreciated the labors of Paul. Another one, like I said, is that the Philippians. The Philippians were also so kind to Paul. There was no Christian church there when Paul went into Philippi. And when it was Paul and Silas that went there, they met a woman called Lydia. And this woman told them to stay in her ha- their house. She baptized. In the book of Acts 16, verse 13, it says, And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside, where prayer was wont to be made, and we sat down and speak unto the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Theatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened, that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And when she was baptized, and her household, not just her, her and her household, she besought us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, Come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. Amen. She constrained them to ensure that they were well taken care of. In Philippi, there was a damsel who used the spirit of divination. She became a nuisance to Paul and Silas, following them from place to place and making it seem like she was working with them and on their side. But Paul rebuked the devil that possessed her. And of course, it caused an uproar in the city. They beat Paul and Silas, locked them up in prison. And when they were in prison, they prayed. You know the song? So Paul and Silas prayed and they sang. And that prison was shaken. The chains that bound them were broken. The gates of the prison were open. The man who was the keep- keeper of the prison, in Acts 16, he says there that the man wanted to kill himself and Paul and Silas begged him not to and the man was baptized with his household. The jailer was baptized and took Paul and Silas to his home and treated their wounds and also fed them. And then in the book of Acts 16 verse 40 it says, And they went out of the prison and entered into the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren they comforted them and departed. Amen. Speaking of the kindness received from them in Philippi, Paul would write later, in Philippians 4 from verse 10 it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me had flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, now here he says, Notwithstanding, ye have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all and abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in, in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. 
So this was an account of people, that's the Ephesians, the Philippians, and also the Galatians who were sympathetic towards Paul and who appreciated his labors and continued to support him, especially the Philippians, even when he had traveled from Philippi, they were still sending funds to Paul to take care of him. But when Paul came to Corinth, he began to work. One of the reasons for work was simply because it was necessary. He needed to feed and he didn't have means. In the book Acts of the Apostles, page 347, paragraph 1, it says, Before he became a disciple of Christ, Paul had occupied a high position and was not dependent upon manual labor for support. But afterward, when he had used all his means in furthering the cause of Christ, he resorted at times to his trade to gain livelihood. Especially was this the case when he labored in places where his motives might have been misunderstood. End of quote. Like I said, this happened in Corinth. Reading Acts chapter 18 from verse 1 to 4, it says, After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Yesterday, we stopped at Paul in Athens. So after Athens, he came to Corinth and found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, lately come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because that Claudius had commanded all Jews to depart from Rome and came unto them. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them. As Paul was of the same craft with Aquila, he abode with him and wrought. For by their occupation, they were tent makers. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. In the book Acts of the Apostles, page 349, paragraph 1, it says, When Paul first visited Corinth, he found himself among a people who were suspicious of the motives of strangers. The Greeks on the seacoast were keen traders. So long had they traded themselves in sharp business practices that they had come to believe that gain was godliness and that to make money, whether by fair means or foul, was commendable. Paul was acquainted with their characteristics and he would give them no occasion for saying that he preached the gospel in order to enrich himself. He might justly have claimed support from his Corinthian hearers, but this right he was willing to forego, lest his usefulness and success as a minister should be injured by the unjust suspicion that he was preaching the gospel for gain. He would seek to remove all occasion for misrepresentation, that the force of his message might not be lost." End of quote. And this is a worthy example for us. There are people who do evangelism and when you finish your evangelism, you need to check the people. Don't just start requesting money from them. I've been to evangelisms where we had to stand up against this. We just finished two weeks evangelism. The members are just new and in the first worship service comes a pastor telling them to give tithes and offerings. You give them the impression that you just brought them in for the sake of money. What is most important is the conversion of their soul and we are the ones to spend to see that they hear the truth. It is not for one to say, oh, because you have baptized, immediately start telling them, return your tithe. It shows clearly that whoever is doing that, you probably have the financial motive for doing the work in the first place. You know, sometimes Paul also received help from other churches while he was at Corinth. And that's how you can also do. If you go to a new environment, the, the money coming from other places can be used to support that place. But today, what system do we have? Close down the church is what they say because they don't have tithe. Why can't the money from other churches support the churches that do not bring in the money yet? Maybe because they have not seen the reason to return the tithe and you are patient with them and wait because it's not about money. Like I said, sometimes Paul also received from other churches while he was at Corinth. 
later in speaking to the people in Corinth, remember the people in Corinth are the ones who were suspicious, thinking, oh, is it possible this man be preaching just because he wants to make money on our heads, he wants to take our money. But Paul was a tent maker and was sustaining himself, but that was not the only way he took care of himself. He wrote to them in the book of 2 Corinthians 11 verse 7 to 9, he says, Have I committed an offense in abasing myself that you may be exalted? Because I have preached to you the gospel of God freely. I robbed other churches, taking wages of them to do you service. And when I was present with you and wanted, I was chargeable to no man. For that which was lacking to me, the brethren which came from Macedonia supplied. And in all things I have kept myself from being burdensome unto you, and so will I keep myself. So the question is, why did Paul do this? It was to disarm prejudice. He said in 2 Corinthians 11 verse 12, But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them which desire occasion, that wherein they glory, they may be found even as we. Now, the question arises, why is it that even while he was receiving help from other churches, because he wasn't just doing tent making and that's where all his money was coming from. Like he said, he robbed other churches as he received their wages, money from churches in Macedonia and Philippi, and he was using that to sustain himself and to also do the evangelistic work in Corinth for the church in Corinth. These were people who had already come into the knowledge of the truth. Not that they didn't know the truth. They had come into the knowledge of the truth. But because of their preconceived idea and their fear that some people are making money, like Paul wants to make money on them, he refrained from collecting money from them. And money from other churches was used to support the church in Corinth. Now, the question arises, why is it that even while Paul was receiving help from other churches, he was still working in Corinth? Why was he still working? Because clearly he was receiving money from other places. Should he not have been content with what he was receiving from Macedonia and the other churches that gave him wages? Now, reading from Acts of the Apostles as the Spirit of Prophecy, page 351, paragraph 2 and downward, it says, There were some who objected to Paul's toiling with his hands, declaring that it was inconsistent with the work of a gospel minister. Why should Paul, a minister of the highest rank, thus connect mechanical work with the preaching of the, of the word? Was not the laborer worthy of his hire? Why should he spend in making tents time that to all appearance could be put to better account? But Paul did not regard as lost the time thus spent. As he worked with Aquila, he kept in touch with the great teacher, losing no opportunity of witnessing for the Savior and helping those who needed help. His mind was ever reaching out for spiritual knowledge. He gave his fellow workers instruction in spiritual things. And he also set an example of industry and thoroughness. He was a quick, skillful worker, diligent in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Romans 12 verse 11. As he worked at his trade, the apostle had access to a class of people that he could not otherwise have reached. He showed his associates that skill in the common arts is a gift from God who provides both the gift and the wisdom to use it aright. He taught that in everyday toil God is to be honored. His toil-hardened hands detracted nothing from the force of his pathetic appeals as a Christian minister. End of quote. Amen. So it is not out of place for a self-supporting worker or minister today, like Paul, to work if he chooses to while still receiving support from others. 
Paul was not covetous and desiring to accumulate wealth. He was actively involved in taking care of many people. We'll talk more about more on that later. Even when he was at Thessalonica, to show the people an example and also to ensure that the purpose of his ministry was not misunderstood, Paul chose not to take up the right of a minister but worked with his hands. 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 5 and 6 says, For neither at any time used we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. And verse 9 says, For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail, for laboring night and day, because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. We preached unto you the gospel. And in Second Thessalonians 3 verse 7 to 9, he told them, For yourselves know how you ought to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. Amen. Verse 10 now he says, For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ, that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. Amen. So two reasons why Paul worked. The first reason we have seen in Corinth was because of the prejudice of the people who thought that he was just a covetous man who came to make money. So he didn't collect money from them. He worked to sustain himself and also received funds from other churches to sustain himself so that those people in Corinth will not be taken away from the important truths of the gospel because of this issue of money. Paul thought in time they would understand. No problem if they won't give their tithes. No problem if they won't give their offerings. I will take tithes from and offerings from other churches just to be patient with the people in Corinth so that they can hear the truth. I will not make the matter of tithes and offering a barrier, a hindrance or a stumbling block between me and the people leaders of the church i really don't know what challenges you may have and i don't know how things are planned to say the truth but i do know what is the right thing to do whatever challenges you have try your best to do the right thing do not close down churches like the church in corinth just because they are not returning tight the kingdom of god is not about money did you come to give or did you come to receive? The Bible says it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is true, it is a right of the church to return tight. The people who are being serviced, who you are preaching to, if they have any sense of appreciation, they themselves will know. You don't need to tell them. If you are giving them the truth as it is in Jesus, if you are rooting out covetousness from their lives, only they will come and meet you and say, are we not supposed to sustain you? Are we not supposed to give you the tithes and the offerings? You don't need to trouble them with it. And you don't need to say to them, I will not come again because you are not giving tithes. I tell you that which I know. Churches have been closed down because the members there do not have the means to sustain the minister. Why doesn't the minister, why don't they give him support from other churches so that those ones who, maybe because they are poor or because they don't see the need to give tithes because they are suspicious, are not returning their tithes. This is the example that Paul gave. And secondly, we see another reason why Paul worked as a self-supporting minister because we are looking at two reasons to work. Firstly, he worked because the place he was, they were 
of a kind that were covetous and they needed to see that he wasn't there to take their money. Secondly, he worked because he was trying to show the people an example in Thessalonica that they needed to work. There were some people who had a false notion. They were walking disorderly and Paul said, I will show you an example so that you will not use us as the example and say, oh, look at Paul and Silas. Are they working? Look at Barnabas. They are not working. So anybody who is doing the work of God, if you are a child of God, you don't need to work. Paul said, no, you won't use me as an excuse. I am working. And if you don't work, you should not eat. Reading from the Spirit of Prophecy in Acts of the Apostles, page 348, paragraph 1, it says, In every age, Satan has sought to impair the efforts of God's servants by introducing into the church a spirit of fanaticism. Thus, it was in Paul's day, and thus it was in later centuries during the time of the Reformation. Wycliffe, Luther, and many others who blessed the world by their influence and their faith encountered the wiles by which the enemy seeks to lead into fanaticism, overzealous, unbalanced, and unsanctified minds. Misguided souls have taught that the attainment of true holiness carries the mind above earthly thoughts and leads men to refrain wholly from labor. Others, taking extreme views of certain texts of scripture, have taught that it is a sin to work, that Christians should take no thought concerning the temporal welfare of themselves or their families, but should devote their lives wholly to spiritual things. The teaching and example of the Apostle Paul are a rebuke to such extreme views. End of quote. You see, this lesson is very important. We can easily become fanatical, like we read now, or unbalanced and unsanctified in our minds and wrest the scriptures out of its true meaning. There were those in Thessalonica, and even today there are still those who in their bids to show that they are not attached to the things of this world, that the mind not heightens, they choose not to work and provide for themselves and their families the basic necessities of life. Paul showed an example to such ones that this was a misrepresentation of Jesus' teachings. Such people would read passages like where Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and Israel, and all these things shall be added unto you. And they would take it to mean that they are not to do any work at all than missionary work. They would read passages that says, Take no thought what you will eat, what you will drink, or wherewithal shall be, be, be clothed, that that is what the Gentiles seek. And when they see other people walking, well, look at these Gentiles. They're just laboring to have clothes and food. If you are a true Christian, if you have the Spirit of God, you will not walk. Really? Is that what the Lord says? These people will even read Paul's own writings where he exhorted that we should mind not heightens. That's in Romans 12 verse 16. He says, be of the same mind towards one towards another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceit. But they forget that before this, in the same Romans 12, he also said initially in verse 11 to 13, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. What does it mean not to be slothful? That's don't be lazy in business. Be fervent in your spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints, giving to hospitality. Now, how can one distribute to the necessity of the saints when they don't have what to distribute, when they are not working? This is why when Paul wrote to the Ephesians, he said in Ephesians 4 verse 28, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the things which is good, that he may have to give to them that need it. In the book Spirit of Prophecy, Acts of the Apostles, page 353, paragraph 1, it says, The indolent, 
forfeit the invaluable experience gained by a faithful performance of the common duties of life. Not a few but thousands of human beings exist only to consume the benefits which God in his mercy bestows upon them. They forget to bring to the Lord gratitude, offerings for the riches he has entrusted to them. They forget that by trading wisely on the talents lent them, they are to be producers as well as consumers. Take that again, they are to be what? Producers as well as consumers. If they comprehended the work that the Lord desires them to do as his helping hand, they would not shun responsibility. End of quote. So while Paul was in Thessalonica, the Philippians still supported him. In Philippians 4 verse 16 it says, For even in Thessalonica you sent once and again unto my necessity. Amen. So what we are learning so far is we should not have this mindset that the Thessalonians had, which is, oh, if you are spiritual, you don't need to work. When you see people, they are working and they buy a car, they build a house, or they rent an apartment that is posh and good for them to live in, and you say, oh, these ones are not spiritual. They mind earthly things. Really? Is that what the word of the Lord says? The commandment, the fourth commandment says, six days shall thou labor and do all thy work. It is a command that we are to work. The fact that Jesus said that we should not mind high things or seek first the kingdom of God or that we should not bother ourselves what we will eat, where will shall we be clothed and what will we drink does not mean that he said we shouldn't work. What he's actually saying is that you shouldn't let those things be the foremost thing in your mind. That's why he says seek ye first the kingdom of God. Don't let them be a reason for you to disobey God. Don't let them be a reason for you to compromise your faith. Don't let them be a reason why you will not do your morning, evening and afternoon devotions or why you will not pray or why you will not go for evangelistic efforts to preach to others. That is simply what Jesus was saying. Seek first the kingdom of God. You can be doing these things but let them not be a stumbling block. Let them not be a reason why you go away from the keeping of the commandments of God. But the extreme view is when people are dressing well in good durable clothing and also living in an environment that is promoting their health that is actually good and not in the slums then that person must be a non-christian he is carnal because he is spending money on clothes and houses and is going to an environment that is good then therefore he is not a spiritual person extreme view and paul was trying to show an example i am not of this kind of mindset You are misrepresenting Jesus when you have that mind. And Paul worked. But he did not allow the work to stop him from preaching. When there was opportunity to reach to people, he dropped the work and goes to preach because that was his priority. You wouldn't call Paul and say, well, there's somebody to preach to here. He said, oh, no, no, I need to make this tent. He would drop that and know that his first and most important duty was a missionary and evangelistic effort. But guess what? Even while in the tent making, he was reaching out to people. There were people in that place, whether it's in Corinth or Thessalonica, the Greeks, the people rent these tents or they buy them, it was for them. But in making contact with them, he has conversations with them that will be a blessing to them. Now, another reason Paul walked, like we've said, is uh, two reasons we've said before, to show an example to the people, to also give a disarmed prejudice. Another one here was simply because he wanted to help his brethren. It was not for himself. He was working to help others. Reading from the Spirit of Prophecy in Acts of the Apostles, page 352, paragraph 1, it says, 
Paul sometimes worked night and day, not only for his own support, but that he might assist his fellow laborers. He shared his earnings with Luke and he helped Timothy. He even suffered hunger at times that he might relieve the necessities of others. His was an unselfish life. Toward the close of his ministry, on the occasion of his farewell talk to the elders of Ephesus and Miletus, he could lift up before them his toil-worn hands and say, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Yea, you yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities and to them that were with me. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring you ought to support the weak and to remember that the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. Acts 20 verse 33 to 35. Amen. End of quote. Do you see another beautiful reason to work? Not for yourself. You can sustain. There are many of us who feel like, oh, I'm, I'm single and my family, I don't need too much to sustain myself. I am low maintenance. Yes, you are low maintenance, but there are some people that need help. Will you work for their sake? Will you let your hands toil because there's that brother who doesn't have the opportunity that you have? Perhaps there's a work that you are fitted for that even if the opportunity is there and you call all your friends, none of them can do the job. You know you have the skills. You know you have the intelligence. You know you have the opportunity. Take the opportunity. Work not for yourself. There are others. You can say, oh me, I don't need the work. But somebody needs the money that comes from there. That was what Paul did. Because of Timothy, Luke and others, he worked so that he can have something to support them. And he laid down the principle and told them in the book of Acts 20 verse 30 to 35 that he has shown them an example that they ought to work, labor, so that you support the weak because it is more blessed to give than to receive. You can be on your own and say, oh, people are supporting me. I don't need to work. But is that the best example? How about you working so that you can support others too? Why, why will you say, well, let me just be on my own so that others will just be giving me money? Well, if you are working for God, of course, it's not a bad thing. Of course, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. And I'm not even referring to people who are into full-time ministry here. I'm talking of those who have, are doing self-supporting work or Christians in general. Work so that you can help others. And it was not an easy thing for Paul. When we feel that life is difficult for us, some ministers who are even receiving funds, you look at Paul. He wasn't lying down in his bed every day. He wasn't having everything done for him. Houses already paid for. School fees of your children already paid for. Sometimes even church members would buy cars for the pastors. Paul didn't have that. When you think as a minister that your life is difficult, look at Paul. And then you realize it is more easy for you than it was for him. By these evidences, it is not a proper representation for people, especially young people, to make themselves a burden to others. Not that those who labor in the gospel should not receive their just wages, they should receive their wages. But if they are young, they do themselves a disservice. If they do not take time to also learn other means of labor and gain experience in this direction, many skills are needed for the missionary work. And it is in learning these skills and working with them that we learn how to use them for God. The manner of labor of Paul is especially important for young people. It is never a good practice for a young person who does not know what it means to be a hard worker or who is inexperienced in various lines of duty to be relieved of all secular duties. The experience gained in useful employment and the character developed in it is very essential in carrying out religious duties. Promptness, meeting objectives and targets, 
Planning and management are skills gotten in secular labor and are often more important in missionary efforts. Reading from the Spirit of Prophecy now, Acts of the Apostles, page 353, paragraph 2, it says the usefulness of young men who feel that they are called to, by God to preach depends much upon the manner in which they enter their labors. Those who are chosen of God for the work of the missionary will give proof of their high calling and by every possible means will seek to develop into able workmen. They will endeavor to give an experience that will fit them to plan, organize and execute. Appreciating the sacredness of their calling, they will by self-discipline become more and still more like their master, revealing his goodness, love and truth. And as they manifest earnestness in improving the talents entrusted to them, the church should help them judiciously." End of quote. And going down to page 354, paragraph 2, we are told young men who desire to exercise their gifts in the work of the ministry will find a helpful lesson in the example of Paul at Thessalonica, Corinth, Ephesus and other places. Although an eloquent speaker and chosen by God to do a special work, he was never above labor, nor did he ever weary of sacrificing for the cause he loved. Even unto this present hour he wrote to the Corinthians, We both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place, and labor, working with our own hands. Being reviled, we bless. Being persecuted, we suffer. It's First Corinthians 4 verse 11 and 12. End of quote. So, it's important that in our young age, we learn other skills that we can use to work so that we can support others, especially for those who are self-supporting ministries, ministers or workers. Like we read in the devotion, Paul set the example to tell us that this work of the ministry is not for only those who are completely relieved from other works, those who are involved in the daily thoroughfares of life, working, can also do the work of the ministry. And Paul, while doing his tent making work, was still ministering to people. It says, going on, one of the greatest of human teachers, Paul, cheerfully performed the lowest as well as the highest duties. When in his service for the master, circumstances seemed to require it, he willingly labored at his trade. Nevertheless, he ever held himself ready to lay aside his secular work in order to meet the opposition of the enemies of the gospel or to improve a special opportunity to win souls to Jesus. His zeal and industry are a rebuke to indolence and desire of ease. Amen. And today, the Lord is calling upon those who would have this pattern of work. Like I said, if you look at the ministry of Paul, he was not urging people, give me money, give me money. But those who appreciated his labors, like the Galatians and the Ephesians, they did not need that plea. They of their own selves were supporting Paul's ministry, not only when he was ministering to them, there was no phone then. But even when he was no longer with them, like the Philippians, when he was no longer with them, in other words, he was not directly there preaching to them Sabbath after Sabbath, day by day. He had completely left the Philippians throughout maybe one year, two years, but nevertheless, they were still sending support to him. And when he was among the Corinthians and in Ephesus and also among the Thessalonians, he did not collect any money from them, even though he was supposed to, like he said. But others were supporting him but even if they were not supporting him he was working so that he can sustain himself sustain others and give an example to those around him that it is very ennobling and dignifying to work and not to give the example that oh those who are working are seeking 
first the things of this world made them understand that there is a balance to these things reading from pamphlet 5 page 46 paragraph 3 and also page 47 paragraph 3 we are told in the future men in the common walks of life will be impressed by the spirit of the lord to leave their ordinary employment and go forth to proclaim the last message of mercy as rapidly as possible they are to be prepared for labor that success may be may crown their efforts they cooperate with heavenly agencies for they are willing to spend and be spent in the service of the master no one is authorized to hinder these workers they are to be bidding godspeed as they go forth to fulfill the great commission no taunting word is to be spoken of them as in the tough in the rough places of the earth they sow the gospel seed on the other hand the leaders among God's people are to guard against the danger of condemning the methods of individual workers who are led by the Spirit, by the Lord, to do a special work that but few are fitted to do. Let brethren in responsibility be slow to criticize movements that are not in perfect harmony with their methods of labor. Let them not fear to trust another's methods, for by withholding their confidence from a brother laborer, who with humility and consecrated zeal is doing a special work in God's appointed way, they are retarding the advancement of the Lord's cause. Paragraph 4 says, God can and will use those who have not had a thorough education in the schools of men. A doubt of his power to do this is manifest unbelief. It is limiting the omnipotent power of the one with whom nothing is impossible. Oh, for less of this uncalled for distrustful caution. It leaves so many forces of the church unused. It closes up the way so that the Holy Spirit cannot use men. It keeps in idleness those who are willing and anxious to labor in Christ's lines. It discourages from entering the work many who would become efficient laborers together with God if they were given a fair chance. Let no man think that because a fellow worker does not follow his ideas and plans, he cannot be doing right. When a man thinks this, he exerts an influence which hinders God by hindering the one through whom he is working. It is God's purpose that the world shall receive the truth through the spoken and written word. His servants are to use their varied gifts in the gospel ministry, and they are to be assisted by the printed page. This is the plan which the Lord has ordained. As it is carried out in accordance with his direction, the truth will go forth as a lamp that burneth. End of quote. So, brothers and sisters, here is an example for us to become more like Christ and not misrepresent him by thinking that, oh, if you are transformed, you will not mind high things in the sense of refusing to work and provide the conveniences and basic necessities of life. Work is necessary. Even if you are a self supporting worker, if you are receiving help from others, if you get the opportunity to work that doesn't clash with the work of preaching the gospel, of course, by all means, you can take advantage of it so that you can have to distribute to the necessities of other brothers and sisters so that you can have to bless and so that you can also give people an example because even today some people who are seeing preachers will say what do you do for a living if you tell them oh i preach they look at you like this person is unserious not that you are ashamed to say that you're a preacher but to give them the impression that i'm not doing this thing for money and to also make them understand that it is not because many pastors that's what they are like i'm not saying all of them 
there's this impression that many pastors they go into the work of the gospel ministry because they are lazy because they don't have any other thing to do so they just take the gospel ministry as a lazy man's work to sit down in their house so that funds will keep coming to them but they are not really doing anything it is true that there are people like that yes and i say it clearly it's true but then to give the impression to let people know that we are not doing this thing for money it is also in place like paul did to work so that you can first of all disarm prejudice secondly do not give more force to those who think that working is a carnal thing and thirdly so that you can have to provide for brethren who i need may the lord bless us as we put these things in practice let us pray thank you dear father for giving us these lessons and i thank you for the balance of your word help us lord not to be unbalanced and go to any extreme and give us grace not to be covetous but to distribute the necessity of the saints and to always keep ourselves focused on doing the missionary work that the lord has called us to do thank you lord for hearing if there's anyone there listening now who you are impressing to do a work that laymen are supposed to do workers who can still preach the gospel lord i pray you through your spirit give them the conviction and help them that while they toil with their hands they can still preach the gospel and bring many into the truth in jesus name i've prayed amen